Okay, everybody. Hey, welcome back. This is Slightly Above, podcast number two. You know, today we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about consolidation and consolidations. Um, I used to think, you know, I think most of us when we were kids would think that consolidation is like this great thing, like, you know, the emperor consolidated his kingdom, you know, in that kind of silly vein. Um, As we got a little older, got a little bit educated, um, what we found and what we learned was that consolidation can be a good thing. In some cases, can also be a bad thing. Um, some examples, the United States. Um, I think that's that's kind of a pretty good consolidation, at least initially, um, depending on your, your political leanings. Another thing, the telephone companies was a big thing in like the 60s and way back when, when I was, maybe before I was even born, led to bad service, led to higher prices, maybe not the greatest consolidation. Radio station consolidation. You know, we're all we're all sort of listening to the same song, depending on no matter what channel you turn it to. It's kind of you lose specialization and in, in consolidation. So, really depends on the execution. I think in a lot of cases, consolidation can lead to really great things, and in some cases, kind of some bad things. You know, in the case of the United States, you know, now we have AOC and the liberals, right? Or you have Trump. And the right-wing authoritarians. So, depending on your point of view, you know those could be bad things. Um, and I, some things that I think about is, you know, when you say something like that, and I think of comedians, if they're saying something like that, and maybe it's a joke, and they have a punchline, do they actually switch the punchline depending on what region of the the U.S. they're telling the telling the story in? I mean, maybe that joke and saying Trump plays really well in San Francisco, but. The same joke, but just changing the punchline could play really well in like the Bible Belt or in the Deep South. So, you know, food for thought. Anyhow, let's get to the show. Um, What we wanted to focus on today is consolidation within the automotive space. This is the second in our series of automotive insights um, where we're focusing in on the automotive space industry consolidation. I've wrangled my former business partner, Josh Blick, CEO of Dashboard Dealership Enterprises. Hey, everyone. And I've also got our collaborator and trusty moderator, Jacob Gomez. Hey, everybody. So let's get started. Uh, Whether you are a small company that needs help navigating complex data requirements for your customers, or if you're a dealer that needs the info and can't get consistency with data or products, Innovate can help you. That's Innovate On Demand, www.innovateod.com. When you're ready to innovate, we'll be ready. So the rapid reconstruction of the South was neither rapid (laughs) nor reconstructive, right? That's kind of the way uh, the industry is nowadays. It's uh, consolidating in an incredible way, although there are more vendors than ever. Uh, Mm -hmm. So there are over 500 software companies in the automotive dealership space. So there are more startups, more interesting independent companies than ever, yet the industry has consolidated down to just about four or five consortiums or ecosystems um, in a massive consolidation event in the last five years. Why I think we wanted to talk about this topic when I was getting my start in the automotive uh, software industry uh, in the early 2000s, there were so many independent companies and very few uh, consolidated ecosystems or consolidated groups of companies. 
Um, they're essentially the big two, as we would call them, Reynolds and Reynolds um, and CDK Global. And they basically were the uh, consolidators of the time, uh, and there were really no others. So those were you know, the, the early days, and now there are essentially you know, five companies that are, are ruling the space. And I always like to use a Lord of the Rings reference. Um, you know, somewhere right around the year 2014, 2015, um, everyone in the industry uh, decided to get all Lord of the Rings and one ring to rule them all <laughs> on it, right? And yeah. before that, there wasn't... Wait, wait, I've never seen Lord of the Rings. What are you talking about, <laughs> I'm not sure what, what happened in 2014, but it, that was the year where the industry decided to to get crazy, right? To get to get combined. All these different companies were were building up and buying all sorts of other companies to create the ultimate ecosystem for, for a dealership. So who's the Gollum character in all of this? <laughs> I'm not gonna tell you who I think it is. It could be a couple of different ones. Oh, man. But basically in the industry for a dealer, a dealer needs, you know, these basic categories fulfilled uh, or service for them to do their jobs. And that's basically their DMS companies, which are dealer management systems, CRM companies, customer uh, relationship management companies, uh, dealership um, digital advertising companies, website creation companies, analytics companies uh, for data analytics and review, traffic generation. This is where all the leads come into the dealers, like car gurus, auto trader, cars.com, phone call management, inventory management, service software, email handling. Uh, these are the main categories uh, that a dealership uses for software. <clears throat> and in the past, each one of those categories was a series of independent vendors. So a dealer would have 15 to 20 vendors that they did business with, right? So what the consolidation means is that all those categories are now being serviced by a single company. And this is in the news recently, right? We've got Dealer Socket acquires Automate. Yeah, it's a huge one. Um, so, and that's just another line of consolidation in the industry. And in this case, it's it's, and we'll, we'll talk about DMSs and CRMs maybe in future episodes. But it's almost like the reverse of what you normally see, where a CRM company, right? Dealer Socket is is acquiring the DMS part of part of the business, right? Which is, you know, normally what we've seen, at least what we started to see in the in the late nineties. And when a lot of this started, when a lot of this began, like Reynolds and Reynolds started aggressively acquiring different um, layered applications. Um, it was normally the DMS companies that were out there buying up different pieces to kind of um, supplant the competitors in the space. Um, in this case, we've got Dealer Socket getting the DMS. Any thoughts? I mean, I think the reason for all of this is that the dealers have complained forever about the fact that they have to do business with so many different vendors and. Yeah. Some of the dealers wish they could just do business with one company. On the other hand, that creates these giant companies that kind of do too many things, like you're mentioning the, the phone companies, right? Right, um, right. And so the dealers also complain about, oh, we only have two choices. We would like to have more choices. So the industry is just rife with um, people who want to have consolidation and people who do not. But um, One complaint. The, oh, sorry, go ahead. What I was going to say is that from the point of view of the consolidators, they just see dollars. They, they want to take over because they can get all that business. And from the point of view of the dealers, they see like a phone book sized um, bill every month, right? Because right. they've got so many. It's like, you know, you get your, um, 
your Comcast, your cable bill, and you look through it and you look at all the fees and you don't understand it. Yeah. I've heard from dealers' perspective that a lot of these consolidations can lead to complex and confusing billing. Well, and uh, it's been my experience talking with a few of uh, my previous clients that they like the DMS portion of it, but they don't like the CRM that that DMS offers or mm. vice versa. And so maybe that's what they're trying to solve is like, okay, hey, rather than, um, you know, like if we can offer something that they like of both of those, we can really make an impact. And that's a that's a real big challenge. I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but I'll say a real big challenge is... For a company, and let's say you're a DMS company, you're doing it really well, to then put on the hat of a digital marketing company or or a CRM company and do it really well, that's rare. Even yeah. in these big mergers and big um, consolidate, big acquisitions, um, it takes time for the people and the products to really work as one. And in consolidation, one of the one of the cons to this consolidation idea, it's very difficult to onboard and transition a new company uh, to be. You kind of lose a little bit of what you were yeah. if you were just focused on DMS when you're trying to do different things. I've seen it firsthand in some of the business situations I've been in where they bring in another large company and it's a culture clash. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe it's an aggressive selling tactic that the other company has. Maybe it's a way that um, they do customer outreach and customer satisfaction and customer support. What other big market impacts, you know, have you guys seen in the industry? Um, well, the biggest one was in, so I, I kind of mentioned earlier, 2014, 2015. Those were, those were huge years, right? Yeah. So 2014 was dealer socket being acquired by Vista Equity Partners. Mm-hmm. And 2015 was Cox Automotive purchasing dealer track. So just, you know, for a basic landscape, there are five main ecosystems out there. And we define the ecosystems as basically a company trying to do all of those things that a dealer needs, right? Not just the NMS, but CRM, websites, everything. So there's five of them. Uh, Cox Automotive is the big, the big dog. They have the most companies, uh, the biggest roll-up company. Um, by far the biggest ecosystem. Uh, then you have you know, CDK Global. They're a DMS company, but they also have their own CRM, digital websites, digital advertising, all that kind of stuff. Um, Reynolds & Reynolds is probably the original roll-up company, uh, meaning they did a ton of acquisitions in the 90s and 2000s, and their original purpose is to create a one-stop shop. Uh, and then you have Dominion, uh, which is... Probably the smallest of the ecosystems nowadays, but they are they have a compelling set of products um, and a lot of different offerings. And then, as I mentioned before, Vista Equity Partners, they're more of a uh, investment group that has cobbled together all these assets. Dealer Socket was the CRM, and and then in turn moved into Solera and a few other ones, and now. They're getting Automate because they need a DMS. And to William's point, uh, they were a consortium or ecosystem with a missing DMS. So they're <laughs> yeah. second it's baseball. You don't have your the you don't pitcher. have your your starting pitcher. Right. <laughs> He's not there. You just have a catcher, and you have you know all the players in the field. You don't have a pitcher. I think you could do without maybe the second baseman, but the pitcher is <laughs> yeah. kind of someone that you need. Um, I'll go back and, and talk about each uh, of those major. Um, 
companies that you that you talked about a little bit. Cox Automotive, my thoughts, at least initially and from the outside perspective, I don't really have any um, personal dealings with them except for working with their data and working with some of their data folks. But um, I'll say that what I've heard um, from other dealers is that when you go to the websites and you see all the products and you go to NADA, the event, which happens to be uh, in February, weekend of February 14th this year, uh, we did a show about it. Um, just just the last show. Um, but when you go there and you see this massive organization and you see all these company, all these um, products that seemingly work together, it's like, give, take my money, please, if I'm a dealer, because they've got it all solved, right? But from a marketing perspective, they tell that story really well. I think from the dealer's perspective, once they get into um, into a deal or start to dig a little bit deeper, they start to find out that these products maybe don't work together as well as it's advertised. So that's that's the challenge for Cox Automotive, I think, in the future, is to try to make the marketing story match what they've done in, in all their roll-ups. Um, from CDK Global, I do have some personal experience. You know, they, I know that recently they bought Elites One. And I know that that's a very successful acquisition for them. And I know a lot of the folks at CDK, and they're great folks. Um, Josh and I happened to be involved in one of their roll-ups. They, they bought our company. And we were um, a data provider and a dashboard company for large dealership groups. And our product kind of filled a niche for them. So they, they, they came and acquired us in 2017. Um, Reynolds & Reynolds is an interesting one because we actually sold a product to them. But years ago, during that phase that Josh was mentioning when they were kind of out there and, and looking to expand pretty, pretty heavily in the software space, I think it was around 2000, we actually sold a product to them called Profit Alert. We happened to be one of the first um, companies that had built an a online financial metrics reporting system for dealers. Um, and it, at that time, Reynolds and Reynolds was heavily um, looking, you know, they were they were releasing their Windows-based um, era system. They were doing a lot of things where they were looking to become a leader on that online conversion in the late 90s. And that, that worked out well for us at the time. And they were the first, they were the first ones. That's right. That got the idea to start assembling all the companies that a dealer needs. And it was Bob Rockman right around the time of the UCS um, buyout of Reynolds. 2006. 2006. So yep. they started, you know, way back in 2006, they were already thinking to do this and capture the market. Um, and anyway, it worked out really well for them. They had a great market share for a very long time. The problem, of course, is the amount of money that flooded into the industry. Um, you know, the, the main uh, DMS companies, CDK Global, Reynolds & Reynolds, they were the big two, and they had massive market share for decades. And now these consolidations are basically the others that are now, you know, pouring money into building their own ecosystem. So you have five or six ecosystems all competing with each other for dealer business. A good analogy is the current ecosystems of television, right? Mm -hmm. So you got Apple TV, right? You got the Netflix, streaming services, yeah, streaming services, right. Hulu. Uh, Disney Plus, and they're all offering the same, like, you come to our service and we're going to give you everything you need to watch TV and So movies. these are the others who are going after Netflix now, yeah. right? Yeah, Netflix yeah. could be like Reynolds and Reynolds and CDK. What was, approximately, I know we don't have exact figures, but approximately for CDK Global and Reynolds and Reynolds, what was, what was their market share and what is it now? Do you have any ideas? Um, their market share is a group. So Reynolds and Reynolds and CDK used to control 90%. Today, it's only about 60 to 65%. Hmm. So they've lost about a third of their 
of their monopoly status on the industry. And um, is, is this Cox Automotive getting in there and taking a large percentage? Yeah, yeah. It's, so it's so Cox Automotive, um, you know, bought Dealer Track in 2015. Dealer Track bought uh, Arcona, I think, in 2013 or 2012. Mm-hmm. And Arcona was a, was a competitive DMS, an alternative to Reynolds and Reynolds or CDK. Um, so that's a major factor. Cox Automotive, Automate, Autosoft, Atom, uh, Quorum, all these different, um, you know, Dominion has has their own DMS. There's, we're going to do a whole other show about DMSs. We'll, we'll get into that. <laughs> There's a whole world of DMSs, but, you know, there used to be a world of DMSs too for many years. It's just that they've gotten a lot better. And there's more money in there. And these, you know, these different uh, ecosystems, like I said, there's five of them now. Um, you know, three of the five are not the big two, you know, Reynolds and Reynolds and CDK, obviously. So they are uh, very competitive and they're, they're only going to get better. Does the opportunity exist for a, a dealer to, you know, not go with these, um, you know, these chain offerings, so to speak? I mean, do they have dealers out there that are, you know, on a small DMS and a small CRM, what's what does that look like, and what is you know what's the pro and con of that in your mind, Josh? Um, I mean, to your point, which is there was some mistakes early on with some of the consolidations, meaning that they're all different components that have all these different vendor choices. The dealers still see that. However, you know, the ecosystem that does the best overall might actually start earning the dealers dollars. So, I mean, Cox Automotive is the best example. They have you know, uh, X Time, Vin Solutions, Viato, Dealer.com, uh, HomeNet, Kelly Blue Book. They've assembled kind of an elite group of, of vendors all under one roof to offer a compelling alternative to others. So the problem with, of course, Cox Automotive is their DMS offering was a little underpowered hmm. when compared to Reynolds and Reynolds and CDK. Initially, so, their, their marketing strategy, I think, for dealer dealer track um, was to make it the low priced alternative. Right. Right. But now that they've surrounded it with all these services, right. I think in the marketplace the pricing has edged up to be something closer to what you know. But I think they they're largely dependent on getting you into that ecosystem, right. like the bundled price versus yeah. like the individual price of, of just the DMS. So. I, I think what I was getting at earlier was as a small dealer, you really need to make that choice because maybe you can save some money if sure. you go the Cox route and you get the bundled deal. Um, however, the best solution might be chaining together a CDK Global or a Reynolds with a best-in-class CRM and a best-in-class digital marketing product, et cetera, a, a Viato type of product as well. Well, the so, most fascinating thing about the Automate acquisition, back to your question, is mm-hmm. that the automate acquisition by Vista Equity Partners pretty much invalidates Vista Equity Partners from buying a Reynolds or a CDK. Right. Which was a okay. lot of people thought that Vista Equity, which is one of the biggest uh, investment groups in the industry, a lot of people thought they were going to go out and buy one of those big companies. One of the top two. Yeah, um, because it made sense. But they went after Automate, which is a great DMS company, and now they're going to go their own route and be a big competitor. No. Oh, why haven't we seen, Josh, a large Silicon Valley company come in and, and buy? You stole my question. Uh, oh, I'm sorry for no, that. No, 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 you're okay. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, why? why might. Well, that's, I mean, I know back <laughs> in, um, I think it was around 2012, there were a lot of rumors that Reynolds & Reynolds was for sale, and there were some rumors around that Yahoo or potentially another large um, Yahoo at the time 
um, large, large, super large Silicon Valley player were going to get into the automotive space. Microsoft, you know, has taken some forays into it, but we haven't seen sort of a, a real software, um, a new age software company get into this space yet. I'm, I'm just wondering if there's a barrier there in your mind, Josh, or if it's something that you believe is going to happen soon. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think the Silicon Valley companies would want to come into this space and get involved in all the different technologies and rewrite everything and or even own it, right? Because it's so complicated. I mean, you have a situation like uh, Microsoft is associated with Dominion's mm-hmm. ecosystem. Mm-hmm. So there is a good case where they partnered with an existing ecosystem to do some business. But I think they're more – Silicon Valley is more interested in making money <laughs> than, yeah. than operating or, these vast uh, organizations. Or providing the tools that are the basis like Correct. Amazon Cloud Services and Correct. Microsoft Azure, right? These, right. Are, these are powering some of these large companies' offerings. If you go into a dealer track or another company like that, you'll find – in some cases, they're built on top of the architecture, and they're paying the rent. Yeah, so IBM uh, pioneered their entire system for the most part. Dealer track is all AWS, so that's a big. Yep. And, and yep. I know some of the others are moving in that direction. And, and if you want to look at you know competitors to the space, SAP would be a natural group right. that you might want to ask. How come SAP isn't or coming in here or Oracle? Right? Those right. are the companies that you think could come in or Salesforce. Right. I was going to say right? uh, Google just, I mean, given their ability to take any challenge and try to do it themselves and say that they can do it better, I could totally see Google just coming in and saying, hey, we're here now. Everybody, you know. <laughs> and they do have an automotive arm in Google. It's smaller. Um, it's a smaller arm, and they're mostly focused. They're, what they're doing really well is on the advertising side. The, the analytics and the advertising. Correct. Those so, two, they, they don't want to go into the – I think this is kind of a morass, yeah. right? This ecosystem I was yeah. mentioning, the CRM, the websites, the DMS, yeah. this email marketing. Like that's that might be a little too much for this, well, these I, players I, to come in and, and – and, be very specific with the dealers. I think right? what, and to add to what you're saying, Josh, I think that if you, you were a large group like a large company like Google or one of these large Silicon Valley groups, you might say that this space is ripe for disruption, but you're right. not the right person to disrupt it. Well, yeah. or I would say, not the right or I would say, it. I do want to disrupt it, but I don't want to get into bed with all the existing Correct. stuff that's been around for 40 years. I might just want to start selling cars online. Correct. And just yeah. kind of go around all of this stuff. So Amazon, I think a lot of people in the industry will predict that Amazon and or Google will start selling cars online directly. And, in the and next, validate this whole process yeah. of getting transactions at, yeah. on a DMS. And I, let, I don't want to scare any dealers out there. <laughs> I don't think this is going to happen anytime soon. But maybe like 20 years from now, 30 years from now, that's when it could happen. Um, that's the big fear, right? So it's right. not actually something that will happen. It's you're talking about why haven't Silicon Valley companies come in? I think it's because they'll only come in when they can kind of sell the cars, and yeah. they can't because I think there's, there's a franchise system. I think there's a, a a short time here before that twenty years elapses or ten years elapses where there might be space for that you know that device before the smart TV. Mm-hmm. You know that device you had to plug into the TV so you could have Netflix on your on your TV without having a smart TV. Yeah. The people who did all the information systems for Tesla. They've got some funding. They've got some money, and they've they're putting together a new age DMS that has, you know, kind of all the term, all the right terms, AI and you know, blockchain and all every term you can think of, um, big data um, called Techion, um, and they're hoping to kind of disrupt um, the DMS business. And they've they've 
built their own DMS. I don't know that they've gotten any market traction, but it'll be interesting to see where a well-funded and well-operated kind of Silicon Valley-style company can go in the space. You know, we've talked about um, the changing of, of how things are going. You don't think it's going to happen anytime soon, Josh. Uh, but at the same time, it's hard to not see the Amazon model that completely obliterated the sales market in, in that whole structure and not think it's only a matter of time before that disrupts everything and everybody's going to have to adapt. I do. I, I think twenty years. Uh, you think so? So your guess is twenty <laughs> that's, years. That's my guess. Yeah. I mean, well, uh, also, I do, and I but do. Is there any other disruptors you think that might snake in at that same time? Well, you know, so let me preface it. There's there are several dealers in the industry. Um, Brian Benstock, I think we talked about him last time, mm-hmm. um, who are acutely aware of this problem. It's kind of like you're seeing, you're foreseeing your own doom. You know, twenty years <laughs> from now, and what are you going to do to stop it? And the answer is. The dealers need to be Amazon. They need to sell all their cars online and do everything online, deliver the cars to the customers. Right. They need to be what Amazon is, kind of like what Target did, right? Correct. So Target's not gone. Target adapted to the Amazon model, Correct. right? And yeah. you can drive your car up to Target and they'll, they'll bring it right out to bring you. the stuff out to you. They'll you can buy the stuff online if you don't want to yeah. go to the store. So the dealers are uniquely positioned to win because they have... They have the real estate, they have the experience, they have the service base. It's the government back in. They have, the, they have everything. So um, Amazon, in order for them to win, they have to do a hell of a lot. And the dealers have to be essentially just brain dead for the next 15 years. Yeah. So there are a lot of dealers that know that this is a challenge. It's going to eventually uh, bite them in the you-know-what. So if they, <laughs> if they can rise to the challenge and become a online smoothless uh, or smooth, sorry, a smooth transition model of sales and service all done you know, in a frictionless transaction online. If they can do that, then they'll be fine. I well, love I well, love that example, though, the, great. the target example. That's it, it's great. And, and I'll, I'll say this. The, the system itself will be disrupted because they will have changed. Yeah, of course. They will have adapted. So it won't be the same system that, that we see today. Um, and Josh, I think that's... That's like 85% of it. Right. But the other part of it is that things just happen slowly. I mean, they had cars, but people were still around, riding around in horses uh, for, for a number of years, right? So even though you get the new technology or you get the sea change event where something now exists, it's not that everyone can, can quickly get onto that model. You know, back to your question about what is the future of the consolidation, what happens yeah. next is... I actually think that all these consolidators, the five I mentioned, they're all about 20 years old in terms of their ideas. They're still in the process of yeah. assembling all of the different assets that a dealer wants in a, in a one-stop shop format. They're still thinking about that, and they're all trying to actively create those little ecosystems so that a dealer doesn't have to go out and have 20 vendors. So that's still what they're solving for, which is about 20, a 20 to 30-year-old problem. And so to, to go to the, the, you know, the next phase, one of these ecosystems or all of them, they need to start advertising things like, hey, let's start selling your cars online. Let's offer the solutions of the future about how to sell cars in, in the, the 21st century. Mm-hmm. That's the ecosystem that's going to do well. Right now, I would say Cox Automotive 
is the one that it's has positioned well. They're the ones that are buying these new innovative companies and they're they're putting their money into the research projects and the the Carvanas of the world and well, things like that. There, um, there's there's your next business idea, right? Is be the company who has dotted all the I's and T's of turning a dealership into Target. Yeah. Where you're and, and all they have to do is buy your, you know, and then all of a sudden they know the model, they know what to expect and they don't have to move. Yeah, they're they're pretty innovative. I mean, the the problem with all consolidators, William mentioned earlier, the phone companies is they're they're usually behind the the tip of the spear, right? Correct. They're not at the front. That's where innovation and entrepreneurism comes in. Yeah. That's why you're never going to get a situation where there are no entrepreneurial companies, the the small booths at NADA in the corner that are changing the world, that are going to change the world. That will always exist. And the consolidators will always be looking to recreate that magic <laughs> themselves, but ultimately kind of fall flat. And I think flat. that if, if I had to jump in there and say, that's really good for entrepreneurs, yeah, maybe not <laughs> as great for dealers, right? That's, yeah. that's an, it's an interesting thing because you're, you're, you know, you're working with Cox Automotive, you're working with CDK Global, you're working with Reynolds and Reynolds, and they buy a brand new widget, something cool, you know, 2019, 2020. Maybe they buy some AI platform that really adds value. Um, for the entrepreneur who, who created that platform, that's, that's a big event. That's a big exit. That's a huge liquid event probably for that team. Um, for the dealer, they're getting value because they're getting sort of the newest, latest, greatest you know, um, software on the marketplace. So win-win, and it all comes down to the execution. So, you know, consolidation, if you're looking at it just from the viewpoint of overall, it's probably a win-win. But when you get down into the weeds and down into the details of how it actually works, that's where the dealers can be left behind in some cases because it's just a difficult thing to take an idea, onboard it, and execute well for the dealers on something, maybe a technology that your team isn't really built to service or to support or to enhance. And the, and, the, and the industry is changing so fast yeah. right now. I, mean, I mentioned the 2014, 2015, you know, there was the earthquake of consolidations, right? Yeah. Cox Automotive buying dealer track, uh, Vista Equity Partners buying dealer socket, CDK Global basically being a spinoff from ADP. All that happened in the same year. Uh, and it's been five years of these companies, you know, accumulating all these assets. But you know, none of these companies actually um, are are ready or showing the dealers how to win the future, right? The future of automotive retail. And it's not their fault. It's just that it's happening so quickly um, that no, none of these companies are have assets to deal with that. The only ones that are out there are the new startups hmm. that are helping create this. And it's all because of the Amazon looming threat 20, 30 years in the future, right? That's that's driving all this. So the consolidation, these companies like Cox Automotive, Vista Equity Partners, they're on the lookout right now for all these new technologies. And that's how they're going to get bigger, right? Yeah. And I mean, uh, to, to kind of wrap all this up, what I am reminded of in, during this conversation, there's a saying that's, um, you move fastest alone, but you move furthest together. Hmm. Right. And so a lot of those companies that can do one thing well and they just move way ahead of everybody and do it really fast. But then sometimes they have to sacrifice that to become a part of a bigger thing that's going to last. If much I, longer. It's a great point. And if I could jump in, I would say that was maybe the catalyst 
as one of the major catalysts why Josh and I and, and our former business partner, we ended up um, selling our company because we knew that as a small company, we could do 500 to 1,000 dealerships, but we felt with the right partner that this product could get out there to 2,500 to 4,000 dealerships. Yeah. Um, so to your point, we could move pretty fast, we could innovate, we could create great product and be really responsive to our clients um, as a small, nimble organization. Um, but in order to get the market outreach and the penetration that we were looking for, we needed to kind of pair up with one of these one of these large players. Yeah. And there's some new ones out there. There's Tama Bravo, which is a data-focused um, consolidator. They they acquired JD Power and Associates a few months back. Uh, it was pretty big. Uh, they also own ClickView, which is a reporting company. Yeah, uh, we actually that. encountered them. In competition with the dealer, giant dealer groups. That's right. Um, Asbury Automotive, all name names. Yeah, auto, auto data, chrome data. Tom, yeah. So Tama Bravo is kind of, a, you know, out of left field, acquiring all these different um, analytics assets. Uh, you have um, CIP Capital, which is a, a marketing consortium ecosystem, grabbing all these, um, all the, the advertising and uh, digital advertising types of uh, assets, marketing. Um, there's just a bunch of different companies out there that are consolidating. I think you're going to see it continue massively. All right, any last thoughts? Well, I would say that <clears throat> NADA uh, 2020 in Las Vegas, which is in a just a couple of weeks from now, and when you walk through the NADA hall, or if you see pictures of it, uh, you're going to see these ecosystems at work. Yeah. And you can tell by just the real estate they take up. So you'll walk through the Cox Automotive, you know, family of companies. I already mentioned there's like 20 of them. It's almost like the empire, right? <laughs> Walking through and they're just all over the, they're taking up Wait, half the, of the The Roman hall. Empire, the Star Wars Empire. I'll leave that to interpretation. <laughs> I'm a huge fan of the Roman Empire, by the way, by a different podcast. Um, but they take up probably like a third of the real estate of the entire show. It's, it's a little bit overwhelming. Uh, and then Reynolds, Reynolds, CDK, um, you know, the dealer socket booth. These are enormous, enormous booths that just take up, you know, so much space. You can just see the physical presence of, of these booths compared to some of the more independent companies. That's just a striking thing when you walk through the show at NADA. So, you know, I always get excited to go to the show and um, William and myself will be there. Um, you know, in Las Vegas, and you know that's where you get to see all of these discussion topics, you know, in the flesh. Josh, to your point about the NADA show, I'm I'm really excited as always at this time of the year. Um, I'm excited to talk to the folks. You know, the, the individual players like this whole idea of consolidation. This exists at a, a high level, right? But there yeah. are actual players on the field. At right. NADA, who are execute, executing, excuse me, all of these steps on a on a you know on a conversation by conversation basis, and it's it's kind of a wonder to see like it's like you know looking at the top of like an ant ant colony, right? Mm-hmm. You see all these ants running around and doing various things, but they're all like programmed into a certain path, um, and you start to see this 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 um, organization of industry taking shape. All right, that truly is a wrap. Thank you so much for listening. On this episode, we tried to trim it down to less than 40 minutes, so if you made it this far and you're not yet asleep, 
Um, here are a couple last minute show notes. Upon further review, it looks like the dealer sock acquisition that we discussed rather thoroughly on this episode has some hiccups and they're yet unresolved at the time of the final release of this episode. So we're, we'll be watching that with great curiosity and see what the final outcome is. The goal of this uh, episode was to orient anyone in the industry new or seasoned veteran into the concept of the conglomerates that control this space. Having knowledge around that was hugely helpful to Josh Blick and myself as entrepreneurs as we looked at potential exit strategies and other successful business alliances. Our hope was that this download of our knowledge would also be very helpful to you. All right, everyone, until next time, thank you so much for listening to the Slightly Above podcast. And until next time, goodbye, cheers. <laughs>